Alright, you white motherfuckers. All eyes on me. This is the Average Years Podcast. <laughs> Bitch, I don't give a fuck. It just hit me that in the last episode talking about Shaka Khan, I could have ended the episode with a story about how I met Shaka Khan. Guess I'll add it to the end of this episode. Gotta stay tuned for that. What up, everybody? This is Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. I'm back. <sighs> Barely make it through last week. It was it was a mess. But I'm back. Everything is all good. Everything is where it needs to be. Went into the weekend thinking I was going to relax. But I was inspired to help out an ex of mine move. And when I got there, it hit me that, you know, I'm not saying I'm the best thing to happen to people, but it's just one hell of a coincidence that in the years after we split, a person just continues to struggle. Yet here we are. This is Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. If this is your first time coming to the I Refuse Podcast, welcome. You just never know how I'm going to start each episode because I'm random as fuck. But here we are, a fresh episode for the week. Happy Monday. March over on the East Coast is feeling a lot like January. Cold for no reason, snowing and raining. Yet here we are. So this season on the I Refuse podcast, we start off with a little bit. Then we go into the housekeeping items. America has a problem. Then we go into come outside, we won't jump you. And then we end each episode with the story time of some kind. So, housekeeping items. Let's all have a moment of silence for Law Roach, a celebrity stylist to not only Zendaya, but high-profile clients such as Celine Dion, who tried to pull a stunt at a recent fashion show following behind Zendaya they got to the one of the seats sideline at a fashion runway a seat that was between the CEO of Christian Dior Emma Stone and the daughter of one of the richest people in the world Zendaya got to the seat first, sat in the seat, Law Roach, a stylist of hers, who was on a voguing show as a judge, tried to pull rank, and Zendaya was like, nah, 
pointed him to another seat in one of the back rows. Embarrassing. Another housekeeping item. I've been seeing a lot of discussion on the bird feed about these honey packs. Apparently that's a thing now. All I'm going to say is, you know, I thought, oh, you know, honey pack, like you put honey on a biscuit. But apparently there's this supplement, erectile supplement that y'all are putting on y'all dicks to get them hard and keep them hard. And y'all are in y'all 20s with these struggles and 30s. I, we are barely out of the Viagra and the Papa era. Like, we're deep in the trenches. People are either using one or the other or doing both. Passing out, having heart attacks. Are closer to the king now. (laughs) Very embarrassing and humiliating. Like, the poppers alone, like, never understood the attraction to it. But y'all are huffing on these things like a fish needs air. Now y'all got honey packs. Got me all confused. Like, what? Huh? It's it's down bad. Like, I think if y'all put down the drugs, put down the meth, put down the coke, put down the fentanyl, put down the opioids, put down the pills, put down the lean, put down the perp, put down anything that you need to have a good time. Because, you know... We had talked about how casual, you know, the white boys out here are doing cocaine. Like, y'all are taking cocaine like it's turkey gravy. Now we're at Honey Packs, where it's just like, y'all sure that's natural? Like, is this FDA approved? Or is this some shit that... You know, stomach ache and key lolo from around the way are making in their kitchen next to their bottles of pink sauce that they bought from that white lady that they are putting in like Ziploc bags and giving out to y'all for like $20 a pop. Is this something that you pick up at like the local gas station? That's ran by a Hindu guy or Hindu family. Where you can get gas for cheap. That's next to the boner pills that are probably not FDA approved. I, I just need to know, like, what's going on out here in these streets. Because unless you have, like, a heart or a blood flow problem... That's hereditary or genetic. Some shit you just can't escape. There should be no reason in your 20s or 30s that you're struggling 
with sexual performance or erectile dysfunction. Just saying. Next housekeeping item. You know, at this point, we should probably stop disrespecting and constantly over-criticizing Lizzo. Oh, she's doing too much. She's doing the most. Here she goes, the flute again and twerking again, like all this. And it's like, y'all are doing all of this towards somebody that's the protege of Prince. Now, those of us that have been outside for a while, remember being kids when Prince was in his Sign of the Times, Diamonds and Pearls, uh, Cream era, his artist era, where he had the ashless chaps and the negligees and the blouses and the pancake makeup and was the prettiest dude in music. And doing this shit all on stage. So for y'all to say in 2023 that Lizzo is doing the most. Do y'all not know who our protege is? News broke out over the weekend that um, Keisha Cole is getting her own Lifetime biopic. Bitch, when I tell you I am packed. Because <laughs> here's the thing. You know, it's been long time revered here in the streets, here in the hood. Fantasia's Lifetime Biopic. So Keisha Cole... Keisha Cole is getting a Lifetime Biopic about her life. And it's starring none other than Keisha Cole. Bitch, I've been hollering the last three days. Because... you never seen Keisha Cole act and quiet as is kept while there's part of me that wants to know more about her early life how much of that she's going to divulge like are we actually going to confirm that you had a uh a mentorship relationship with Tupac when you were younger. Because, you know, she was on that for a little bit. But also, it's like... I would much rather have... There's a part of me, other part of me, that's like I would rather much have y'all bring to the streaming platforms her reality show. Not the one that she had after she got married, where she was yelling at Booby all the damn time. But the first one, The Way It Is, or I'm Just Like You. Y'all have been releasing these little clips on TikTok from, you know, various scenes of that reality show. 
where if it's not her going off on Frankie in front of her adoptive mom, Dr. Yvonne Cole, over the spa day, the the mommy-daughter spa day, it's Nephi going off on Frankie's boyfriend at the time, who was not only like more than half her age, but clearly there was something going on that was not cool. Like there's an argument every episode and an argument anytime, any place. If it's not in the parking lot in front of the hotel, it's at the restaurant with other cousins about Frankie. Bring that back. Like, bring back the reality shows, the black reality shows from those six years of the early 2000s. Like, Frankie finally being part of the picture, we seeing Keisha's biological mother, Frankie, who is not that far removed from, and still going through addiction, going off because she doesn't have any one-on-one time a day or whatever with her daughter by herself. Like, why does Dr. Cole have to come? And she's spazzing out in the kitchen, naming every single one of her kids that she needs, And that she needs this guy, whoever he is, to get off of her. I was like, this is is real reality TV. Like, you have a drug addict, a fiend, being fiendish. And I know I talked about how white America profits off of black humiliation and exploiting black embarrassment for money. But I'm also able to say reality TV when it was real, put that in all caps, is a moment that's not discussed enough. None of this forced theatrical shit. I'm going to still watch the Keisha Cole Lifetime biopic biopic when it comes out because I'm nosy more than anything about Who's going to play who? How real is it going to be? Like, are we going to go all the way back? Are we going to be real about the kind of person Ron Fair is? Are we going to talk about why she's no longer on the label? Like, are we going to get into the Young Jeezy stuff? Or, like, what are we going to do? Because, you know, with, like, Lifetime movies or just television movies, it can be really good, like the TLC movie, or it can be really bad, like the Aaliyah movie. Because you have the people in the background in the production that just don't do the homework and are trying to squeeze a lot of stuff in a two-hour window, and they just so happen to include shit that nobody cares about. So, be on the lookout for that. But, 
also, I just feel like they really could have given that screen time, whether it's a TV movie on Lifetime or a documentary on Netflix, to the local college student that got arrested for racking up over $500,000 at her job at the Burlington Mall. America, America has a problem. So while y'all were sleeping over the weekend, there was a college student out of uh, Boston, 19-year-old Ariel Foster, charged with larceny. So let me tell you about Ariel Foster, right? Ariel Foster was working at the Burlington Mall out of LaVasia. They say that during the month of February, she was using an elaborate credit card scheme at her place of work in Burlington Mall. Where on three separate dates, what she would do is she would scan items from the store and increase their sale, increase the price. The cost of the expensive item would then allegedly be refunded to her credit card that investigators found eight transactions for a total company loss of over $500,000. Between February 2nd and February 22nd, she bought a $35,000 Tesla, made nearly $6,000 worth of transactions to Delta Airlines, bought almost $5,000 worth of Louis Vuitton, and spent more than $20,000 for a hotel in Hawaii using the credit card scheme. Tesla, cute. She got it in red, which is, that's a nice color. So, after the subpoena was served to her financial institution, right, that's when the authorities found these expensive refund transactions stemming from Lovasia America LLC, right? They executed the search warrant on her dorm room at LaSalle University on Wednesday, and she was taken into custody without incident. Baby, part of me is like, I get it, but one of the Ten Crack Commandments is never shit where you eat or where you lay it. And then on top of that, she did all of that in three weeks. <laughs> Girlfriend, did you not learn anything from the PPP loan scheme? Scheme, Like, y'all are asking or doing too much for a lot of money in a short amount of time. You know, LLCs that y'all set up were not real in the PPP loan scheme. Then y'all turn around and rack up a lot of charges in a short amount of time, like within weeks. Very much giving, like, y'all have never had anything, and y'all are making obvious purchases. Like, you know, I live in Atlanta. Let me go and buy a, a six-figure house 
in a predominantly white neighborhood and stick out in a major way. Like, we they already out here giving us a side eye when we're walking our dogs. But because we just don't fit in, right? But on top of that, it's like you buy these houses, you don't furnish them, and you do all kinds of weird shit behind closed doors. And trust and believe, like, white people in these neighborhoods are nosy. And they're not subtle about it. So, for old girl to do this, to do all of this, right? Not only where you work at. But to have a Tesla as a college student, like, the there are two or three things, two or three types of purchases that will make you stick out and make people wonder, this isn't aligned with the kind of work that you do, especially if you work at the mall. And that's buying a Tesla while you're a college student. Like last week, you could have been in an Acura or an Altima. But the following week or by the end of the semester, you're rolling in a Tesla. And you've been in college long enough that people know where you work. People have been to your job. People know that you work in retail. And you pop up in a Tesla. And you and you know people around college are like, well, how she do that in like one semester? Working at the Burlington Mall. Like, to do that and then keep going. And these weren't like a lot of charges. And it was just in three weeks. Big charges. A Tesla... Then $20,000 on a hotel room in Maui, Hawaii. Like, she's crafty because she was able to, like, maximize the, the, the retail system in a way to where she got kickback for the purchases. Like, when the story first broke, I was like, all right, did she do it like the old school way? Like the old school dummy way where people were like keeping record of people's credit card numbers, you know, customers and stuff, and then just going that route with it. She actually kind of elevated the scamming game. And I, I'm kind of like, okay, you smart, you, you, you smart, but you got greedy, right? You got greedy. You you got the chance to travel a little bit. But you got a little bit too much dip on your chip. And came back to where you not only go to college, but you also work. Baby, had that been me, I would have, A... 
did small numbers over a long period of time, maybe like six months, right? Maybe six months. And over those six months, start to like disengage from people, like start to minimize my circle to like maybe a, two or three people that I converse with. Make fewer appearances. Rack up, you know, the money over time. Keep my little day job from day to day. Keep up my grades at college. And just relocate without notice. I wouldn't be like Ariel Foster and just do big shit in a few increments. Still work the little mall job. And keep my life and my my mess in the same zip code. That's just me. I mean, she did all that. You know, she lost her job. I'm sure she got kicked out of school lost whatever scholarship and is more than likely looking at federal indictment charges. Like the scamming the scamming is at an all time high since the pandemic, right? But every once in a while I had to come up on here and pinpoint and I guess revere in a way. These moments where the scamming is a little crafty. But the dopamine sets in. And y'all get greedy. <laughs> y'all just can't help. Like the like the the fake bishop. I can't remember his name. Didn't. Couldn't refrain. From being ostentatious and tacky and dress and lavish spending which was a direct outcome of the fraud that he was doing behind the scenes like the the thing about it is like you don't want to bring more attention to yourself Via the appearance that you are living outside your means. That things are not adding up. Like you have a church. Or you're a college student. And. You are. Not supposed to as time goes on. Looking more flashy looking more fancy and people are like well wait a minute you're supposed to be here for the Lord or you know this is we're giving money because 
where this this is you know we're supposed to be saved and if we donate or we give charity god will pick us up and we'll be closer to god and stuff and over time as we continue to go to sunday service <laughs> as we continue to go to sunday service your suits go from men's warehouse or Groupon three for ninety nine dollars to Paisley print to you got a couple of more rings on your hand to you got on Gucci glasses you you walk around in Gucci slides you went from preaching behind the pulpit to Preaching suspended above the audience as it slides down on the on the wire or whatever. Like you out here very much given Las Vegas show. And now you you done caught a federal indictment. Because you got too much dip on your chip. America. America has a problem. So there I was last Monday. Thought I'd go to the gym. Did my little workout for the day. Was on the bike. Breaking news comes over the TV. Four U.S. citizens kidnapped in Mexico. First thought was, oh shit, it's about to get real. Or, you know... We're about to have another Britney Griner situation. Crazy, right? So, I was going to let this pass, but it has to be the most chaotic story this early in 2023. So, it was four U.S. Americans kidnapped in a violent part of Mexico. Not Cancun, not Puerto Valta. Like, it wasn't a resort type of town. So I was like, huh. And I saw the video and I was just like, this is very intense, but it also looked kind of targeted. So as time went on last week, you know, I was on the Bird app, I was down on the Bird timeline. Twitter and I follow four other podcasters right you know there's Lou Cypher one of my favorites I listen to him religiously through his podcast hell is around the corner go check that out we also follow each other on Twitter as well as I follow Kel's who has a Thanks for Asking podcast and Lonnie and his co-host on uh, Who Raised You Hoes podcast. Go check them out. So, probably day two last week, right? It went into this story that these four people went to 
Mexico for the one girl to get a cosmetic procedure. And word on the curb by then was that it was a BBL. Lou Cipher, hope you listen to this episode because you be on top of it. When I tell you that man has ESPN, (laughs) he started to connect the dots. And then I sat back on my chair reading the tweet like, oh, okay. So he was the first one to put into my head that... It was, this story was very much giving drug mule. Like, whether it was the girl solely and she brought three dudes or all four of these people were tied in. Because another part of the story that came out, I think by Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, was that these four people... A, I wasn't believing the BBL story or the cosmetic surgery excuse because y'all went right past Florida. Y'all went right past Dr. Miami. Y'all didn't go to the West Coast. South Carolina is not that far from Florida. Y'all drove from South Carolina to Mexico. Didn't fly. You know, it's not uncommon for people to fly to a particular city for a cosmetic procedure. And you went with three other dudes. Why y'all drive that far? And not to a resort town or drive to an airport to fly to to the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico, which I believe is another area that people get cosmetic procedures. Y'all drove to Mexico and not like a place known for cosmetic procedures, but a part of Mexico and a larger part of Mexico where they have no issue pulling up to a bus stop in a white van, dump bodies off and peel the fuck off. I saw... Additional news footage or video of the city. This is a part of Mexico where the police are militarized. Like, they're riding around in turrets on the back of pickup trucks. That's how serious this is. And I thought, that makes so much more sense that these four people were drug mules. Or especially this this one girl was a drug mule and got caught up. Like, it's not outside the realm of possibility at this point where people are in full-time scam mode, will take any opportunity to make a lot of money, even at the risk of going across borders, right? So, the new, things did take a turn. It just further confirmed what 
lose it because video footage came out of the cartel actually holding the four people. And it was like rows and rows of Mexican cartel folks with guns standing behind the four people who were bound on their knees. It looked like a scene out of The Walking Dead. Like this was serious. So fast forward... Two of the people were two of the people were killed. Um, two of the other people were injured and flown to hospitals, I believe, in Texas. But that's not the end of the story. So, what the what the powers that be of the Mexican cartel did? They they found the people responsible for the kidnapping put them on blast sent them to the authorities to apologize to not only the country of Mexico but the parents of the four people families of the four people with handwritten notes like I got nothing I can do nothing but applaud that because you got to be you got to be the worst kind of Neanderthal when you out here with guns kidnapping people Mexican cartel comes in and says we don't know who these fuckers are this is not who we are this is not what we do we making these bitches apologize like bitch same energy of when you act up in school and your mother makes you go back to the school walks behind you in her robe with no rope on it to apologize to the class, to the principals, to the teachers, embarrassing and humili- humiliating the dog fuck out of you. And the gag is, it's like in 2023, the Mexican cartel has better and stronger protocols than the fucking police. America, America has a problem. I don't know if y'all remember. Not too long ago, in February, the story about the D.C. daycare owner who married to this guy on the word that her husband at the time was molesting and assaulting the kids at her daycare tracked him down at a local DC hotel 
and shot him multiple times. So, Shantaria Williams, right? Baltimore County woman shooting her husband, James Weems, on July 21st of last year over child sex abuse allegations at the daycare she owned. So they charged her and indicted her and sentenced her to four years. Come to find out that after they did all that, that he was charged with over 30 counts of child abuse, child rape, allegedly, and all this other stuff. And she's still in jail for four years. I feel like once it's proven, right, like that solidifies that there was something going on and that what she was told was true. The man lived, clearly, charged with over 30 counts, and she's still in jail. Like, Free, free the woman. You know, James Weems arrested, charged, and denied bail last week. She still has, she still had to make an appearance, right? In court. Like, let the woman go. She said she didn't want to kill him. She just wanted to hurt him. But she doesn't want to kill herself. And she remains held without bond. Like, this is the kind of system that we have. Felony status conference. Like, they put her through all of this, and we know he's not going to get off easy. Woman tries to have a reputable, certifiable, trusted daycare business. Husband is in there touching on the kids, rubbing on the kids, fucking on the kids. She takes it upon herself. Look, like at some point, here's the thing. Like at some point, you just got to just let let the shit ride. Like due process, sometimes it's just slow as fuck. I'm sure this woman probably filed multiple complaints as did the parents of some of the kids. Cops most likely failed her. Definitely the court system failed her. They probably gonna make her make her do all four years. And it's like come on now, at this point he's he survived all the shots. He's probably going to look at it a lot of time. And there's like nobody out here protecting these kids. Nobody protecting these fucking kids. And sometimes you just got to walk in and start firing shots to clear the air. Start firing shots. Let people know what time it is. And, and put the fear of God in some people. And then let the course decide.
It's fucking crazy. America, America has a problem. So your boy, you know, when I say your boy, I say you whites out here. Your boy Elon Muskie. But a lot of land outside of Austin, Texas, spent millions purchasing land in the quaint town of Bostrop to avoid, they say, big city regulations. So this land situated next to the Colorado River, he has this vision to create a utopia where employees of his companies can live and work. All I'm saying is when I was reading this story, it was very much giving severance. Like, could you imagine your ass is on the beltway or your ass is driving somewhere trying to avoid the tolls and you see some shit that look like it's something off the Jetsons or Fifth Element And it's not like it fits in with anything else, especially in a small town like Bastrop or whatever you want to call it. These people do not want to be bothered with more capitalism or more reminders of something that just doesn't fit or they're comfortable with. A lot of these people that live in these small towns or move away from a big city do so because big attractions and all that shit that comes with it they don't want that so for Elon Muskie to decide post penis rocket to try to build his own sim city cause that's what this shit look like he's already got like a SpaceX warehouse and on one side like this shit look like a fucking military installation some locals are not are happy at the new opportunity there are others that it'll infringe on the charming town that they've called home right Now, granted, now for a lot of people that live in small towns and there's an opportunity to sell land to somebody, tomato, tomato, where it's just like, we kind of can't resist the opportunity to make a large amount of money on this particular date an amount so large that our grandkids won't have to work like how can I resist now we all have choices everybody likes to criticize and judge and everything but why does this cap I'm pretty sure Elon Muskie 
came in and was like, look, I'll give you seven figures. For your land. And it's not even like a thousand acres. Like 400 acres. You multiply that by like. 10 or 20 people. You're essentially set up for the rest of your life. You know while some people sold theirs. You know, some members of their family still lives on a portion that Muskie bought. And Muskie, I guess, is renting it to them until 2024. The overall reaction from some of the citizens is a bit of a mixed bag. You know, some people have already sold and moved on. Other people are like, oh, they're looking forward to it. It's kind of like a new leaf. I'm just curious... So what made Elon Muskie buy this? Like, well, buy it, buy there. You know, some people still have some property there and the town still remains fairly small. So in the town, you know, he has a SpaceX building coming that's a 500,000 square foot facility and across the state road 1209 boring which will be muskie's infrastructure and tunnel construction company that's building a new warehouse some people were a little shocked didn't know what was to come they knew it was going to be a big change and it's happening so fast you know for other people it's the process is bittersweet like you have lifelong generational residents or former residents there and residents still that grew up there. Houses passed down from great great grandparents to great grandparents to grandparents to parents raising animals and dogs and shit like that. The completion or the goal for it, for it is to be within the next two years. But the idea of living in an unregulated private town or city has risen in popularity in recent years, right? You have Proxis, one of the newer projects funded partially by Peter Thale. The goal is to build a city outside of out of the United States and free of government control. I'm not mad at it. Like, for what the government charges you, property taxes, and business taxes, and how it's more than kickbacks and tax write-offs, I would move to another country too. But also it's like, what is it about the government? What aspect of the government control is problematic for these entrepreneurs? And I'm curious to know 
where this trend started or why it has got to this point. I might follow it. So we here at the I Refuse podcast have a segment called Come Outside, We Won't Jump You. Come Outside, We Won't Jump You. (sighs) To one Deborah Lee. Deborah Lee, who used to work for BET. Anytime you've seen the BET Awards, probably the last 10 or 15 years, she would always come out and speak before presenting like a humanitarian award or a community award. Nice lady. Wasn't really in rhythm when people were performing on stage, whatever. So Deborah Lee is releasing a memoir and talking about another trend called I'm Deborah Lee. Which is cool. You know, I don't... not aware of any high demand for it, but... She's releasing a memoir. Deborah Lee decides... During her promo tour, before the book comes out... To go on... Not just any... Morning show... But Good Morning America... And during a segment where she's interviewed about why the memoir, this memoir is coming, you know, what's it about or whatever. Of all the things that she has done in her life, like made history, you know, an integral part of turning BET and the BET Awards show into something pretty special. Homegirl decides she wants to divulge on Good Morning America that she had a long-standing affair with her boss, Bob Johnson, and... Anybody that's heard that name before knows exactly what I'm talking about. Her boss, the man that I believe not only started BET, but owns or owned BET before he sold his share to Viacom. And BET went downhill after that. Had an affair while married. They both were married to other people. For a long time. And then goes on to talk about how things went left when he started using the affair against her. Now look, my mind is like she's probably implying that he abuses power. And limiting opportunities for her, not putting her on projects. Pretty much regressing her to a less esteemed position. Not terribly uncommon, 
Now, there have been some stories or rumors that, you know, with male CEOs of record labels using their position as leverage to limit women's opportunities when they reject their advances, they romantic and sexual advances have either done that or because they won't sleep with them, fire them or reassign them off of their, out of their buildings and out of their offices and labels. Allegedly, L.A. Reid. So, part of me is like, that's juicy, but also a bigger part of me is like, I could have went the rest of my natural life not knowing this, like there is like while I applaud her for taking a piece of advice I've mentioned on this podcast several times to if you're going to shit where you sleep, shit where you eat, fuck around on the job, by all means, fuck up not down this was a little too close for comfort for me because you're direct boss and both y'all are of a particular age so it's like almost like you're hearing your aunt and uncle by marriage not biologically blood your aunt and uncle while married to other people, fucking around. And the and the beans come out the family reunion. You're like, I just came to make my plate and sit in the corner. I didn't really need that. But on the other side, it's like, you honestly could have picked something else. You know, I've said on the podcast about Quincy Jones spilling, spilling the tea about Richard Pryor, Marlon Brando, James Baldwin. That's kind of something different. Where it's just like, Quincy Jones is probably a couple more steps closer to the king at this point. Has lived a larger than life type of life. Worked Worked with Frank Sinatra. Had a whole career across so many changes in music. Like, that's juicy. And everybody that Quincy Jones is talking about has since passed. So it's not like shit can blow up in his face. At some point, I want to say past the age of 60... People just feel like, look, the filter's gone. I was asked. I have probably like a good 15, 20 years left in my engine. I'm going to spill the tea. And that was juicy. And then you sat back. I sat back and was like, that makes so much sense. Because looking at Marlon Brando, you could be a straight guy and still be folded like a lawn chair 
like Marlon Randall was that dude. So it wasn't like it was outside the realm of possibilities, but Deborah Lee is not Quincy Jones. Hell, Bob Johnson is not Quincy Jones. And this kind of thing where it's like it's workplace and it's at the executive level and this you guys are connected to something that's black blacker than black blackity black 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 and it's us it's like that's a little close to home for us and it's kind of embarrassing because it's like there aren't that many african-american helmed media outlets enterprises that started from us it's not like we came in behind a white person or came in behind a non-person of color from the 80s it's like an intern worked our way up and we're like pushed to like the board of directors like i believe bob johnson started this started bet from you know with investments and stuff like that and it's like this kind of stuff doesn't look good on Bob Johnson. Really doesn't look good on you. And it's kind of like I can't think of another analogy but like a Clarence Thomas and Nita Hill kind of thing. Like you, like Deborah you got to read the room, girl. Me Too stuff. You know, people's perception and implications are off because, you know, so few of us are still going outside touching grass. A lot of us are probably living under power lines. They start thinking, you know, Bob Johnson abused his position to get with Deborah Lee. Like, all kinds of shit. Like, it's... Culture and society is leaning harder on men. Even when the shit's consensual. So we just want you to come outside and talk to us real quick. Not going to jump you or anything. I mean, we we might check out the book after it goes on sale for 50% off. Because again, like, I don't recall a high demand for this. Girl, it's not like you left Bunkingham Palace. Like, you used to work at BET. No tea, no shade. Moving on. Come outside, we won't jump you. I'm saying that a little bit slower because I might, after I finish saying this, to that anonymous Academy Award voter slash actor who said in response to what he believes is wokeness, cultural wokeness, influencing the Academy and the industry to force diversity and championing for diversity by saying when they get in trouble for not giving Viola Davis an award, it's like, no, sweetheart, you didn't deserve it. We voted and we voted for the five we thought were best. It's not fair for you to start suddenly beating a frying pan and saying they're ignoring black people. They're really not. 
they're making an effort. Maybe there was a time 10 years ago when they were, but they have all the high-profile things been in the forefront of wanting to be inclusive. Viola Davis and that lady director need to sit down, shut up, and relax. You didn't get a nomination. A lot of movies don't get recommendations. Viola, you have one or two Oscars. You're doing fine. Here's where I want that person to come outside and talk to us. Like, this is the same academy or uh, committee that gave Holly Hunter the Academy Award over Angela Bassett. Like, y'all really set up here one year in all of our lifetimes to put these two women in the category, which is fine. Holly was for the role of playing a mute in the piano in the same category with Angela Bassett, who not only embodied the physicality and the spirit of Tina Turner for what's and what's love got to do with it, beyond just wig and costuming, but along the way put her entire artistry, talent, and energy into invoking the innocence and naivete of a young Tina Turner under not only one money-hungry adult, but two, invoking the carnal survival and fear during a turbulent personal life with an abusive spouse while staying committed to the music and talent with the fearlessness and strength across five decades. Secondly, the kind of message and languaging in this line of thinking in that quote is exactly what we've been pointing to for many years. To on the one hand, to recognize the climate and the culture of diversity that is being placed upon everybody's shoulders and its, and its importance to then turn around and punch down and paint, and be patronizing towards a demographic of people by way of Viola Davis with this implication that we are yet again not worthy because you gave us enough. Viola Davis who, like Angela Bassett, is essentially the female equivalent of Denzel Washington. And that's not to say, well, you know what I'm saying. She has this otherworldly talent for drawing an audience in, taking them with her emotionally through intense performances, even in the briefest of screen time. Think of Doubt. Tells me once again that and I'm just going to take a stab in the dark and say that this anonymous voter was white. And what often happens these days is that white people toe the line and move the goalposts. They enjoy the esteem and the acclaim that comes from having us in the seats and using our names in the credits at the shows to play in our faces each year. And it's like there is a spectrum and a range of black actors and black actresses in not only mainstream movies but also independent movies that have the talent have the screen the uh, the charisma the the ability and the range and it could be somebody that has gone to the actor's studio or it could be somebody that is plucked out of nowhere that somehow manages to pull the gravity of a movie to them. Like, there have been many a times I've walked away from a movie thinking, oh, this person carried that movie. This person definitely 
elevates the supporting role to the point that the movie it changes the trajectory of the movie and it's like i can i can name at least five other actors and actresses almost every year that are not even mentioned so for this anonymous voter to say that it's just like you're showing your slip that your range is limited and your know-how because it doesn't necessarily have to be just domestic slash stateside actors and actresses to be nominated like you have people of color across multiple continents multiple countries that are giving great performances and disappear in their characters and it's not like they just started like you have Angela Bassett who's been doing movies over almost five decades right wasn't Acknowledged, nominated for a performance in Boys in the Hood. Like, totally disrespected for what's love got to do with it. Waiting to exhale. She, I don't even think she got much for 911, but it's like now they're starting to use her to make history because of her, um, all the acclaim for a role in Wakanda, which a lot of people were saying it it wasn't the best, but it's like she has maintained a standard that's been so good of performance and of career-defining roles, where it's just like now you want to revere her. And it's like, y'all are listening. But it's also like you have like so many other actors and none of the people that have won or have been nominated have complained to the level or even thought about complaining to the level that warrants this kind of, of a statement. Every year, man, it's just like y'all white people just get up here and just show y'all asses when nobody asks y'all and all is quiet and well in the kingdom and in the forest and y'all just it's a trip moving right along story time story time story time I met Shaka Khan it wasn't after a concert it wasn't at a venue it was by happenstance. Went down to the DMV area to see a friend of mine who was in town for business. It was at the Gaylord. Went through the valley area. One of the valets was hyperventilating, saying he just met Shaka Khan. I was like, yeah, right. For all I know, 
For all I know, it could have been an impersonator. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I had to, walked into the hotel, went up on the floor by way of this, this stairwell. Was walking down a corridor about within inches of the bar area. Heard this commotion behind me coming from the group of elevators. I turn around and I see all this red hair and a black dress. Followed it. Person was surrounded by four big black guys. I looked. And the Shaka Khan. Bitch, I froze. She, they were, it was 10 something at night. Uh, She was trying to get their attention. I spoke to her. I spoke to her. I managed to get like a high out. She was trying to get their attention. They were trying to figure out a way to get out of the hotel. I guess she was hungry or they were hungry. And I went on about my business. Went to the hotel. Sat by the bar. Turned around. And they were shuffling down the back hallway. And that was that. So I met Shaka Khan. Spoke to her. Nice, nice lady. Freckles. Red hair. All of all of that was hers. Really short. Shorter than me. So there you have it. I'm at Shaka Khan. This is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you see the I Refuse Podcast. Don't forget to... Follow, subscribe to us on Twitter at I Refuse Podcast. Also on Instagram at I Refuse Podcast underscore between the words. We're on eight streaming platforms. Don't forget the I Refuse Podcast after dark and the usual suspects. And we will catch you guys later.